thank you all for coming to Symphonics VMIS uh, on uh, diverse and integrated digital marketing strategies. Um, you know, we wanted to put together a panel of folks with some really good expertise here to sort of answer that, that question for you. Um, the, the kind of base behind the topic is what we all keep hearing, right? That playlisting is not a marketing strategy. It's certainly important end game, but that is not a strategy for getting your music heard alone. Um, so, you know, everybody says that, so what is, right? So we've put this crew together um, with a whole bunch of diverse business experiences to kind of share with you some ideas that they've, they've had and some experiences they've had that have been successful in developing artists' careers. And we're gonna talk today about kind of all the buttons and levers that, that artists should be using um, as they engage their audience and learn to express themselves effectively online and, and spread word about their art as widely as possible in a way that's genuine, in a way that's effective. Uh, and most importantly, because a lot of the folks that'll be listening today are developing artists in a way that's cost effective. Um, you know, the huge budgets aren't always there um, when you're putting out your first record. So how can we, how can we um, you know, hyper-target an ad campaign? How can we come up with really creative ways to engage that don't cost money? Um, how can we get organic and real evangelism rather than paid here and there? So the aim is just how do you get yourself and your music in a place to make the biggest impact possible? And yes, ultimately to be considered for features and for playlists uh, without just thinking, how do I get on that playlist? So um, we'll start out with introducing our panelists and I'm just gonna kind of go around the horn from the way that I see it here on my screen, which may not be the way that you see it on yours, but uh, we'll start over here with um, Marnie Warner of, um, she is uh, the VP of Marketing and Business Development at the Syndicate. Um, and she was previously also with Sneak Attack, which is now part of the Syndicate. So welcome Marnie. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah, of course. Um, Marnie is also the co-founder of Equilibrium, which is something I want to put a whole other panel together for to talk about <laughs> because it is about uh, general wellness of the of the community that we all work in here and 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 how we can reach that. And we're going to need it this week, this month, this year. We already need it. Um, anything you want to you want to do to introduce yourself, Marnie? Or I kind of threw it all out there for you already. I apologize. No, you kind of nailed it. I'm hiring you to do my intros from now on. Fantastic. Um, I have to use this background by law, so I hope that's okay. Um, next, Michael Corcoran, who's EVP of Marketing and Business Development with M Theory. Um, like a lot of you watching, Michael's kind of taken a, a path through a lot of different places of in, in music. Um, college Booker, road manager, managing artists, uh, including I saw on your sheet there, uh, Michael Alexi Murdoch, who is a huge, huge artist for me. I need to talk to you about that over beers one day soon when we're allowed <laughs> to see each other face to face again. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, and Michael's here in Nashville now with M Theory um, and running you know, full-scale broad marketing campaigns there. Anything you'd like to add, sir? No, I think, like Marnie said, you're doing a great job so far, <laughs> nailing it. My goal is to talk as little as possible and just lead you guys to say stuff. So I'm, I'm saying it all now so I can just quiet down because you're out. Um, Corey Crossfield's with us from Feature FM. She's the director of client services there. Um, Corey's got a very extensive background in digital marketing, digital marketing as well with Revelation and, and Red Light um, Bitbird before that. And she now manages um, all campaigns over at PF, Feature FM with the clients uh, on their diverse tools there. So welcome, Corey. Thank you. And marvelous introduction. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm in the wrong gig here. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Andrew Ferrone is on our team here at Symphonic. Um, he handles all of our digital advertising, both for the corporate side and for client side. Um, and, you know, we brought Andrew on because, you know, I'm just constantly psyched and impressed with sort of the breadth of a campaign that he's able to put together. And, and I wanted to help him add some really, you know, interesting ideas to the conversation. If you do have budget to spend in an ad campaign, uh, how, how do you spend that wisely, thoughtfully? Yeah, it's definitely my goal is to make sure that every dollar is allocated intelligently rather than uh, just throwing money at the wall and hoping it sticks. That's definitely not the goal and definitely not uh, the strategy. And I am Michael Burroughs. If you don't know me, I run the client marketing here at Symphonic. Um, and so my team is the folks that you can count on both to build strategy for your releases if you're engaged with us in that fashion. Uh, and whether you are or not, we're also the folks that are carrying on all the DSP conversations for you, um, whether it's features, whether it's playlists, whatever opportunities for visibility that DSP has. We're the folks that are in the trenches every day trying to get that for the releases that we work here at Symphonic. Um, I have been lucky enough to work with each of these people throughout my career at one point, whether it's here at Symphonic or beforehand. 
Um, and, and you've got a really great group of folks with a really broad, uh, you know, broad list of experiences here. So conversation should be good. So let's get into it. Um, you know, the idea playlisting is not a marketing strategy, right? So obviously it is super important. There's no question there. Um, it, it definitely is the visibility you're after in the long run, but there is no silver bullet, right? Um, and it can't be the only thing that we're talking about, because if the only thing we're talking about is getting that playlist, you're not going to get that playlist. We've got to come to the table with something else going on. Uh, we've got to come to the table with something that's going to make you stand out from the other 40 to 45,000 pieces of content that are put up on streaming services every day. Um, you know, and, and, if, and if you get to the point where you've handed over your music and you're just looking for that playlist, you're almost too late um, because at that point it's in somebody else's hands to make those decisions. So what can you do leading up to it to make that an easier decision for the folks that are going to be making it at the DSPs? And, because I'm old, I, I kind of always hearken it, and you guys, I'll, I'll probably have your opinions too, but <clears throat> I kind of hearken that, that playlist to the idea of like the end cap, right, at a, at a record store or at a big box retailer. Like, it's certainly a great place to be. It certainly makes the noise you want to on release day. Um, but A, it can't be the only thing you're doing, and B, the guy that makes the decisions on what to put on that end cap needs to have heard about you already, needs to know what's going on. Why should he care? Why should she care? Why should it matter to them to put you in front of eyes uh, over the other options that they've got? Certainly the music's gotta be good, but what can we do to kind of make ourselves stand out? And so we've, we've got a handful of topics that we're gonna bounce through, and then I'm gonna stop talking and let somebody else talk a little bit. Um, but the, the first kind of area of conversation here that we wanna talk about is, is that release schedule. Um, you've spent so much time and, and effort and heart and, and passion putting together this music and getting it exactly perfect. And now that it's done, it's like, it has to be out tomorrow, right? We have to get it up as soon as possible uh, instead of slowing down and, and putting some intention into it. And, and I want to talk a little bit about why it's really important to put that ca calendar together um, and sort of what reasons uh, that time between finished product and release needs to be there and, and, and what we can do for it. So um, I'm going to leave it out on the floor to just kind of pick up as you see it. But let's talk about all the different things we can about, about here, press pickup, all the tools that we can use. Um, any experiences that we've had lately where the more time you've had at the table between finished product and release, you've really been able to do something sound and excellent. I'll jump in. I think, <clears throat> so I, I've experienced both recently. Um, one in which a campaign, uh, the record was done six, seven months before release date. Um, and then another where a single was rolled out very quickly without a whole lot of planning. I mean, I think, you know, it, it really does depend on the level of artist that you are. I do think there's something to be said for that. I, I think you have more flexibility and freedom as a completely unknown developing artist to put something out without much time between finished music and the actual release date. Um, and, and for us, we typically think of it like, okay, sit down, map out what your goals are. What do you want to achieve with this song, with this album, with this whatever piece of content it is you are looking to do and think about how you achieve those goals, right? And typically speaking, the more time you have in between the music being done and the music being released is the more time to, to if you're at the, again, starting from scratch, building a team, what does that team look like around you? Is it a, a distribution partner like Symphonic? Well, they're gonna need time to then talk to all the digital partners about you and tell your story and why they should be compelled to listen. Um, you know, and again, I think, you know, for artists that are, have a more established career, I think that time is even more critical for those exact reasons. It's, you know, it allows your press team to tell the story to press because, you know, we know that press needs a lot of lead time. Um, same with the digital service providers. Like, you know, you want to talk to somebody at Spotify. Well, again, they're listening to so many different things at any given time. Getting on their calendar can be very challenging. And so, you know, let alone getting them to listen. So the more time they have for, to that, for that and then to be able to think strategically and creatively, the more benefit to the artist. I would say yes, and also the opposite. Because when you have an indie artist that, when you have a major artist that has a fan base already, they can feasibly drop something anytime they want because they already have the fan base. That said, if you're going to do it properly with the setup, yes, you do need time to, you know, get the, press sorted and you know all of the million things that need to happen before that release comes out the single drops all these things 
Um, but as an independent artist, I think a lot of the, because we work with artists from, you know, super big names to tiny artists that are just starting out. And I think one of the things that we see with the more independent artists that have smaller fan bases is they, like you said, Michael Barrows, they, they, fin they finish the album and they're like, we gotta get out tomorrow. It's old news already to us, but it's not old news to everyone else in the whole world. And when you rush that process you're, you're, and you haven't done the work to build your fan base, you're kind of putting yourself at a disservice because you're releasing this body of work that you've spent so much heart and soul and time on to some to to an, a very small audience that might not be ready for it so you know to kind of take that time between even when you're making the album you know whether it's your first album your fifth album whatever it is make sure that you're building your fan base and your community as well so that when you release that first single the video another single another single maybe another video even if these videos are just shot with your iphone and then the album that people are psyched for it and they want it and they're ready for it and you know that you have this kind of uh fan base ready to consume what you're putting out there for lack of a better word. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of, you know, both from a, the, the social platform side of things and from the DSP side of things, exactly what you just talked about, Marnie, is, is crucial. Getting that whole thing done and saying, we're getting it out tomorrow versus, you know, listen, when you give us a record to, to pitch to a, a platform, right, we need a focus track to go into those playlists. And if all they have is the one, that's about what you're going to get attention on right off the bat, right? So if you've got one, two, three singles up front, and we can pitch each one of those as an individual opportunity for visibility, and then the album also has a focus track, you've built audience along the way. You, you have them ready for and eager for that album when it's time to get there. Corey, can you talk a little bit about sort of the tools that, that you guys have and how, more, how important that upfront relationship with, with the fans you know, can, be, can be catered to and, and lit a fire with those kind of tools? Yeah, I mean, to, to speak to uh, Marnie and Michael's points, you know, as much lead time as possible is always the best thing that we advise from a platform perspective, because you can have a great set of tools, but if you've got three days to promote a single or a new EP drop, it's really going to be fruitless for the efforts that you're going to be putting forward. So for our platform, the main things that we like to say uh, for people to use uh, beyond just the basic pre-save, which I think is one of our core products that we're pretty well known for, is also just action pages, which are sort of the actions that you can have people take beyond just pre-saving a track, right? Like you could, uh, you could lock, um, you could have an unlock tool where you could have somebody, you know, give you an e give you an email in exchange for a preview of a of a song coming out. Um, in exchange for a music video coming out. We've also got tools like uh, our new bio links where you can put things up in your bio on Instagram and TikTok and somehow be able to convert users that would automatically just consume your music on the day of release and promote stuff in advance. Um, and, and for us as a platform, we've seen a lot of people adapt uh, the bio links product as, as a really great mainstay for them in between when they've finished a product and they've already been promoting that release with great content online um, while they're recording the process of making the album or the single and then leading up to the release. Um, we've seen a lot of people have great success with that because uh, they're sort of filling in the gap of just posting content and actually uh, asking fans to take an action. And with the rise of TikTok as the ultimate leveler uh, with their algorithm, um, being able to take advantage of, of those types of platforms where it's more of a one-to-one -one, like with Instagram stories or even one-to-many with TikTok's algorithm and how they surface content, um, you know, using the bio links and those types of products are enabling you as an artist to capture data and be able to then reuse that at any point where you deem it might be useful. It's almost like depending on the amount of content that you've got as a developing artist that's just getting going, that bio link page works as well as a homepage. If you don't have a really deep and broad aesthetic that you're trying to convey in a beautiful, a beautiful website, putting a page like that out there that's got each call to action you're looking for and a couple really key pieces of information about the artist can be just as useful. Not yeah, to pick the best card, but. Yeah, I mean, that was a beautiful statement <laughs> about our product. I appreciate that. You're helping us market it in South. I'm not getting uh, commissions. <laughs> but I think, I think nowadays people and, and artists in particular in their teams, you know, when you have the more established artists, whether it's a legacy artist or somebody that's sort of middle of their career, having a website is something that is obviously useful because they'll be touring, 
they'll be doing a lot of stuff for for developing artists um which i sort of classify as artists that have maybe one album or single or and are sort of building up from there they're not brand brand new but they're in that that field of growing um i think that you know using those types of like the biolink product for a website substitute is massively useful and and more productive than building out like a squarespace site um, just because it's, it's the ease of use. You don't have to have a tangible uh, branding. You don't have to have a logo. You can just put your music up there, the content, and have people engage with it right away. How much customizability is to that bio page? I, I haven't really dug too deeply into it, but if, if, it, if they do have a logo, if they do have a photo that they want, is that available on that site, the way, the way they can lay it out? Yeah, it's all customizable. You can switch out colors. You can put awesome GIFs. Personally, I built a share one for all the examples that I use it for because she's awesome. And yeah, you can pretty much put anything you want in there. Customize the buttons, the background, you can put your logo up, videos, really anything that you want. And Andrew, can we talk a little bit about too, you know, just kind of taking that audience building piece of it a little bit farther beyond just getting the, uh, the, the email addresses onto a list, right? Um, and even if what you're choosing to advertise is this bio page, is the, the homepage with one single call to action, the time it takes to kind of really build an audience that then on the day of release, you can action um, some of the work that you're doing there. Yeah, it's, I mean, building an audience is always key for, for any campaign. And to harp off of the original question, you know, time is always preferred with any of anything in advertising. The more time you get, the more time you can strategize, you can choose more platforms, you can get into the details of things. Um, especially when, you know, all you have is an email list as your audience, you know, you can have more time to get to know those people, especially on social media, because you can add those people to an audience and create an ad and just promote to those people and say, hey, you know, if you're not following me on social media, here's my stuff, you know, take a listen, follow me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, those sorts of things, and then get personal with people, the more personal you are with your fan base, the more you build a community, once you have a community, those people go to bat with you. Um, you know, you put out a new release, they'll be more willing to share it with your friends because they know you rather than know your music. Um, people want to be on a personal level with the musicians and, you know, a lot of the bigger artists, they have lost that touch and you're starting to see them come out with those text message lists where they can have people text them and talk to them these days. Um, it's so that they can get back in touch with their fan base because, you know, given the pandemic and everything where everybody got shuttered inside, um, they lost that connection with their fans because they're no longer touring. Mm -hmm. And that's how most artists were building their audiences was touring off of every album that they released when they didn't have that crutch to lean on anymore. You know, the red lights went off and they're sitting there, you know, trying to figure out what the best way to do. And those artists that had a fan base and were in touch with their community were able to make those quick pivots, whether it was to a streaming platform like Twitch and start live streaming their music, or if it was just to, you know, work on their music and share things that they were working with on their socials, they still had an audience that came back to them because they actually took the extra effort to build that community and talk to their people and find out what they like, what made them tick, and what made them like their music in the first place. Yeah. If you don't have that, you really are selling yourself short by far. I think, you know, the, the, this, could, this could be a topic for forever. Um, there's so much to, to bake in here. Um, you know, there are places where we have these conversations online on the social community a lot, so feel free to, to jump into those. You know, the, the, the kind of flip side of this one Take as much time as you think you need to to get it out there. But, but my other advice on that um, is that make sure you've got a call to action and a collection point at every step along that way, right? If you're out way in front of your record and you're just saying music's coming, music's coming, but you've got no way to retarget the people that you reached then, um, you've got no pre-save, no action for them to take. No, you know, the, the pre-save tends to be sort of sometimes a hurdle for some fans that aren't used to that activity, right? But there's a lot of things you can ask of a fan that are going to let you come back to them uh, when you've got that music released, um, including your own playlisting activities on platforms that allow you to do it and stuff like that. So we could talk all about release schedule. The, the kind of next topic on this one um, is just generally about social activity, right? 
not everyone that is releasing music is going to be the kind of artist that from what I'm having for breakfast to the dessert I had and the drinks I'm having out at a bar, every piece of that is going to be conveyed. And not every artist should, right? That always on personality doesn't always work. Um, and it, it is going to be disingenuous and fans are pretty savvy. They're able to see when that's disingenuous. So what, um, you know, what can we do to make sure an artist has sort of that healthy balance of genuine human interaction with fans and also sales, marketing, um, pitching their releases and everything, um, getting their lifestyle out there where it's appropriate. Um, you know, we, we kind of advise that sort of theory, theory of thirds idea, right? That a third of it is your real genuine lifestyle activity, right? A third of it is marketing your music. And then a third of it is that, how do I engage with other things that are happening in social media, contesting uh, other people's activity to kind of make sure you're pulling everything together. Can you guys talk about that? Maybe some favorite platforms that you've seen people do really incredible things on lately that really surprised you, whether it's with the tools or just general campaigns that you've helped put together? Yeah, we do a similar thing. We kind of um, loop all of the contesting and fan engagement stuff into the promotional bucket and advise like an 80-20 split. So 80% of that being non-promotional, which is shocking to a lot of our, our clients. They're like, but what am I supposed to talk about? And that's that in that way we like kind of get our artists into the mindset of building and creating content that does exactly what we were talking about before you know builds their lifestyle content their their life their their sort of things that will connect them to potential fans um it's more fun for the artists i think usually um to post that kind of stuff and kind of let people peek into their lives a little bit um we help artists obviously with like creating content memes and stuff like that but it's you know when you're i think social media can even just feel daunting when you're thinking about oh my god I, like i have to post about my video like five more times and everyone's getting burned out they are they don't you know like we know how we respond to social media we don't want to hear about the same thing over and over again we don't want to be sold to every day so to be able to follow an artist that you care about um and see that they're posting about things that you can relate to, that sparks engagement, which obviously sparks the algorithm and shows that content to more people and la yada yada. So, um, and it's also a great excuse to find new fans. You know, I might find an artist because they're also talking about the same stuff that I'm talking about that has nothing to do with their music, but I might check out their page because of that, discover that they're an artist, listen to their stuff and have that instant connection to them as well as me liking their music. And then I'm kind of a deeper fan than I would have been to start with. So I think that balance is super key. And, and how about like the diversity of the platforms too? You know, we talk about reaching your fans where they are, right? Um, if you're not an Instagram user, which would be crazy in today's day and age to not be, if you feel that Facebook is too old an audience for you or, or that it's not a good place to spend your time, which also seems totally, totally crazy to me. Can we talk a little bit about kind of getting across all the platforms and, and making sure that if there's one you specifically feel most genuine on, that at least you're, you're syndicating that out to other platforms to make sure you're touching everybody? I had one recently uh, where the client just realized that their music was doing well with video games and they actually ran an ad campaign on Twitch and it actually grew their audience quite well just by doing that because they didn't realize that their music was reaching that audience of video gamers. <laughs> and by them doing that, it actually connected them to the audience that actually responds better than their existing audience was because the people felt they were more connected to the music because it was something that allowed them to game better or you know, respond better while they were relaxing because gaming is essentially a relaxing experience uh, to many people. So um, by them having that connection, they were, you know, a better, I guess you could say, super fan for that artist than when you're out there just mining people doing ads and throwing, you know, basically throwing out your money and seeing if it will work mm -hmm. in certain audiences. You know, you can only target certain select artists that are similar to you to an extent. Then your music has to build your audience at that point. Um, by knowing that your audience is a certain niche, you're already ahead of the game. And by them targeting it, it just worked really well for them. Now that particular client is actually looking to build their own community on Twitch to interact with them. 
So it's, it's definitely uh, nice to grow those different platforms, especially ones you're not familiar with. Um, if you have a fan base there, um, a lot of people used to just be Facebook only, like you were saying, and then, you know, Instagram kind of took the, uh, the crown here lately. Um, YouTube is as well. Um, YouTube's right up there competing with Instagram. And, um, you know, with content being primarily video nowadays, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, you know, Instagram Reels, uh, YouTube, it kind of behooves you not to hit all of the similar um, social platforms that, you know, are popular nowadays, if you want to stay on top of your, your audience, because they all move to what's popular. Yeah. And um, just to be aware of everything too, right? Like to not be afraid to try TikTok. If you, if you can't imagine yourself resonating there, some, some folks have gotten an audience and picked up such incredible momentum from a platform that they may have believed didn't really fit what they were up to. Yeah. Doing simple things like just posting their day on there and people pick up on it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I would, I would just piggyback off that and just say as an artist, uh, you know, encourage experimentation and see what's working and, you know, be very on top of your game as well in terms of just, again, using the backend tools that are available to you within YouTube, within Instagram, within TikTok to see like, you know, what the engagement looks like, what times of day are best for you and your audience, where are you seeing success? Um, you know, it may be with what you're eating. It may be with, you know, humor or whatever. You know, we work with a band that found that their music, like when they were uh, com combining the music with like um, crafting videos, like they were going viral on TikTok like crazy. It was like the weirdest, strangest thing but there's like this whole subculture of crafting on 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 TikTok and and they're like oh well we can we can do this all day long and it just you know it led to more um engagement and they brought a bunch of people over to to other areas like to their YouTube channel then to their Instagram and and to Spotify followers so we saw an uptick in in everything after this just small portion of engagement went up that's a super good point too. When you're talking about your plan and, and what you believe are going to be the tactics you're going to use to grow, don't forget to watch what's happening without your help, right? Don't forget to watch where the organic blip is happening and pouring as much fuel on that as you can. If it feels right, if it feels wrong, stay away from it for sure. But something like that crafting video, you can't, you can't have sat down at the table and said, you know, we're going to target the crafting community with this, with this punk song. But when it, when it goes, make sure you're aware of it. Make sure you're out there looking to see, you know, follow up on things like Chartmetric or anything else you can access to see where life's happening uh, and what you can add fuel to. And Chartmetric is a great tool for anybody out there that doesn't know what that is. It's, it's a fantastic tool to monitor basically everything that you have going on at any given time. Awesome. 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 So the, the, you know, the next topic on here goes very well hand in hand with that social activity and that's content, right? We, we, uh, you know, the, the eight or 10 buzzwords that kick around our community all the time. One of them is certainly content is key, right? Content is king. We hear that all the time and it, it's, it's not just to, to constantly keep people engaged, right? But it is to show as much of your art as possible, right? There are, so many folks that are visually engaged more so even as much if not more so sometimes than they are in terms of the audio right we've had some great songs that don't really impact until there's a visual element there um or or you know whether it's an official video or even a lyric video or just a visualizer that helps convey convey another feeling along with the music um you know you need to meet the fans where they're at like we've said before with the social activity um whether that's teasers whether that's videos whether it's TikTok, whether it's, you know, engaging a dance community to do something around your song because it's appropriate. Um, what advice do you all have for content, both in terms of scheduling it out um, and in terms of the, the uh, types of considerations you need to make around your release? Um, experiences you've had lately that like the type of content, you did a great one there, Andrew, with the, the Twitch community of gamers, the type of content really just shocked you and that needed more fuel. Oh, I was just going to say, um, on my end, um, I mean, I can speak of a recent example that I saw that was just sort of uh, an anomaly. 
So anytime that we try to advocate for people to approach any type of marketing plan, and when you say content is king, it is, and it, it's a key objective for any campaign, but we have a few like suggestions for folks when it, when it comes to sharing content and just sort of basic uh, guidelines. And that is when you're making content for any release, make sure that it's, it's sized appropriately for the platform. That's a huge thing that we see on our end when it comes to engagement. Um, you know, a, a, a Twitter image and a Twitter stream is not the same size as a TikTok video. Uh, that's a huge thing. That will also help increase engagement when it's sized correctly and people can see what it is. Even if it is a masterpiece, which I'm sure it is, needs to be sized correctly. Uh, number two, make sure that anything that you're sharing, if there is a link or an action to be taken, that you put it in the easiest place possible for the person. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to say like link in bio or, or swipe up on my Instagram story, make sure it's easy for the person to do. You know, you're asking them to commit an action, make sure that the content is promoting that action, you'll get more eyeballs on it. Um, and, and a recent example that I've seen that I thought was fantastic and just sort of encompasses a lot of these like marketing concepts, you know, after looking at like a chart metric dashboard to see what spikes were happening for this artist. Um, there was a label, a label team at our, um, that we work with at Feature FM, um, one of the many, as many of you are wonderful partners of ours. Um, we, I actually saw this app that was created uh, that was sort of leveraging the DSP's APIs and promoting saves to library, which is arguably one of the best metrics for us to get folks to do when you have a new song or release coming out and it was a zoltar machine i don't know if everybody knows what that is but it's like uh it's like one of those like uh horoscope things yeah so yeah so it was actually pre it was actually pre-made content of the artist as the zoltar machine spouting out astro astrologies uh for, for each zodiac sign that i just thought was super clever and on point with the branding but for me that's sort of the tangible creative content that while yes, it was made by a larger artist, you could replicate for yourself by just creating things that are interesting, that stand for your music, that sort of fit that aesthetic guideline that you're going for. And for us, you know, as a platform that advocates for remarketing and building audiences that you can control and leverage, you know, putting putting your link for your pre-save or your problem in there is, is getting so many eyeballs um, that you can then use when the release comes out. So that was sort of just my uh, spiel for, for this. That's huge and, and, and super important. And, you know, the, the thing that we can't reiterate enough times as we talk about this is like you put so much thought into something, make sure you make it actionable, right? Make sure that you make, make sure you, 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 you lead to a particular payoff. Um, we, we too often are like, yeah, that went really, really well. And then you see nothing happen. It's like, oh, forgot to tell them to do anything afterward. And, you know, that's super important. Yeah, really cool. Anyone else? And same goes for me. I mean, uh, one of the creative contents uh, that we get to work with in the advertising world is the voiceover. Um, you know, Spotify and Pandora allow you to put a, a voiceover piece uh, for their advertisements. And honestly, it, it's the most uh, engaging piece of those ads. Because when you're listening to Spotify, I mean, how often are you actually just staring at your screen watching your Spotify? You're not. You're not, you've, you're alt tabbed somewhere. If you're on your computer, you're running, if you're exercising or, you know, you're sitting there and you're driving, nobody's actually staring at the screen watching Spotify. Now, when you have an engaging voiceover, um, one of our clients uh, got comedic with his and decided to say that his music was guaranteed to make you two inches taller and more attractive to the opposite sex. And, that in and of itself, I think, was the piece that converted his ad that much better than the opposition out there. Because, I mean, how many times do you hear, hey, this is, you know, such and such. This is my new release. Click on the banner to hear more. Those are a dime a dozen. Everybody hears those. But nobody hears that their music's going to, listening to the music's going to make them two inches taller and more attractive. And that made people probably pull out their phones and actually look at what the song was, you know, or pay more attention to the ad in and of itself and hear who the artist was so that they could go listen to it later or actually alt tab back to Spotify and go, Oh man, I'm going to click on that. You know? So that sort of thing to, I guess, break the mold of traditional advertising as well um, is something that will stand out more and in, in the content world. Um, and it's definitely what seems to work nowadays uh, with everybody getting into the game. 
Um, so I, that was definitely one of the pieces that stood out for me. And I mean, now that I've suggested to numerous other clients that that's, you know, something that works, people are doing their own uh, renditions or their own versions that work with their brands that are either comedic or soulful or um, nowadays people are doing something that's helpful. Uh, you know, somebody actually included uh, uh, something of uh, a history lesson in theirs. And it was quite uh, quite interesting, but uh, it's working for her, and it works Long for her. Well. Make sure to include, you know, results are not guaranteed there because you, you don't want to end up wicked disappointed at the end when you're still short. And for no sure. Else. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's the thing, too. We talk about it, too, with content. Like, don't just do it because you feel like you have to have a video. You have to have a voiceover in your campaign. Make it make sense. Make it connect to what you're doing. Make it genuine. Michael and, and Marnie, want to talk about anything, too, on this one? Yeah, I think, um, oh, I was just, just going to say, um, just make sure that it's something that you, that really is part of like the fabric of your life, you know, that it's, it just makes it more authentic. It makes it sustainable. You know, if you're going to make a ton of content on a regular basis, because also, you know, we talk a lot about the consistency of, of marketing and creating your brand. So if you're going to do, you know, weekly videos that focus on a certain theme make sure that it's something that you really that not only does it speak to who you are but that you like doing it um so that it's a lot easier to do that on a regular basis if you enjoy it like you were saying with the crafting um you know tiktoks and we have an artist who his name is leo Sawikin, and um he's kind of rebranding himself because he was part of a band and now he's going solo and he is a really good cook he loves cooking um and so we have he does he's doing like all these you know, consistently awesome cooking videos, you know, on his Instagram. And it's something he really loves doing and he would do it anyway. So it's not a big chore for him to go make these videos. And it's something his fans love to see and can relate to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I couldn't echo that more. I think, you know, finding something that you love that feels very genuine to you as an artist that connects with an audience is super, I mean, that's going to be what what starts to create that community that we've been talking about here. And that's gonna, again, with each of those things, you don't necessarily have to be like salesy or markety with those, but it's really, you know, bringing those people in to, to pique their curiosity and wanna ask more questions about who is this? What is this person doing? What do they have to say? I mean, obviously we've seen a lot recently about, you know, Andrew talked about history lessons, but certainly like civic duty around voting and things like that. There have been tons of artist engagement and meaningful engagement too. Of This is, you know, this year has been an unprecedented year to allow artists to kind of speak out um, and engage fans in that way. And I think become advocates for, you know, different rights and for voting and all that. And so it's been a really you know, you've seen a lot of artists do it really, really well and thoughtfully. And, you know, that's going to lead people to like, really become enamored with that person and, you know, want to find out more. Yeah. And, and, oh, were you going to say something, Andrew? I think you're muted. Oh. Um, I, I think one of the things that we constantly remind people about too, is that when you've chosen the platform to do that on, right, if it's a weekly, a weekly performance series, like Marty mentioned, or just generally content that's conveying a different part of you, um, so that you can get more engagement. Um, the regularity is super important and almost the scheduling of it is super important. People like to know when they can count on another piece, right? There's a reason that John Oliver is every Sunday night. There's a reason that, you know, these are scheduled out things. And that's that if I know every Thursday, I can count on another live performance from my favorite band. I'm going to tell my friends, hey, tune in next Thursday. I'm going to make sure I'm there next Thursday. I'm going to make sure Friday morning, I've got a video of it to share. So get in a pattern, get in a flow, get in a, a way that once you see the one that works, stick with it and, and, and let your fans count on it being there another time. Even if that means pre-recording it, and putting some things out. Depends on the platform, whether or not they're gonna let you do that anymore, but uh, try, to, try, try to be as regular as you can. Um, and another one that, you know, Michael kind of made reference to and, and Andrew mentioned as well before is, is the time we're in right now. Um, and probably aren't leaving incredibly quick, getting into the live stream world is super important. Um, getting into a place, whether it is through your own platforms that you can convey a regular, a regular sit down in front of a mic with a guitar, or you know, all the way up to something like a mandolin, which has paid tickets for a live show that is such a crazy good sound experience that they've been creating. Um, and there's so many of them, it's not, it's not just one or the other. 
look into it, dig around, um, see what's out there for you to get up on, um, the tips you can now take in through streaming platforms, the Patreon kind of thing. There is still a way to make some money um, when you can't be on stage. And if you're not finding it, um, dig in. I know there's a couple good blog pieces on the Symphonic blog about what the live platforms are right now that can really help you out in that regard. Because we feel you that it is something that is missing from your income streams. And we're, we're, we're doing our best to come up with ideas to help constantly. You know, all five of us are here. So. I would also add to like, if you're, if you play regularly, at, if you used to play regularly at um, local venues to check out what those venues are doing online. Cause a lot of them are, are doing like cross posted live streams or even having people come in and doing, you know, really safe um, performances and live streams from their space. So, you know, you never know what you can do to, and that might even get you a new audience. You're not constantly, cause a lot of things, a lot of times we hear artists are like, but I'm just live streaming to the same people over and over again. So those are some good opportunities to, you know, get get in front of a new audience or like, you know, do a collaboration with another artist and go live with them. And, you know, might be tricky to play together at the same time, but you can at least, you know, one person plays the song and then the other one and so forth. Yeah, and getting to know other people on those platforms as well uh, helps to grow your audience, um, especially with something like Twitch or, uh, you know, Facebook even has their platform too for now. Um, but you know, if you know other people who are also streaming there too, you can split your community or share communities essentially, um, just by the features that are built in, you know, you can raid another person's channel after you're done with your music and share their music to your fan base and they can do the same, same in return. Um, it's one of those things that, uh, once you do it, somebody will feel the need to return the favor. And then it just keeps happening and happening. And it's, it's like a train, you know, and you just keep adding more cars to the train. It's like so, a festival. Yeah. That's a great. Idea. Oh yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, we will move on to the next topic again, one that we probably could have sat on for a whole day and uh, maybe we should. So um, I still, I still have this thing that we're trying to plan where we're going to do more regular webinars like this on the regular. So expect phone calls from, from me, all four of you, because this is a good one. So far. Um, the next little area we want to touch on is, is that sort of, um, the, the suite of online tools and digital advertising that, you know, I, I don't mean to lump them all together as if one is, is just one of those tools. Advertising is more than just a tool. Um, but because of, we've got, you know, time constraints and stuff, let's talk about these two things. We've got two, two real experts in the area and a couple of pe people that have put together campaigns that include a bunch of tools. Um, we're talking about, of course, Feature FM. We're talking about things like TuneSpeak, ToneDen, um, Metablocks builds some great tools, just some things that you've used. Um, you know, I don't mean to speak of your competitors, Corey, and make you talk about them, but uh, you know, just things that you've used for viral spread, for data collection, for just extra engagement, for that regularity, for that way to come back to a fan later. Um, can we talk about, you know, experiences you've seen and, and a bit of things that you've seen work lately? Um, Corey, it'd be great, great to start with you. And then um, whether we talk about tools for a little bit, little bit and then move to Andrew for the advertising stuff and, and talk about those kind of campaigns around the horn a little? Uh, yeah. Um, on our end, you know, and I really want to preface this by saying that I'm fine <laughs> hearing about competitors. It really, <laughs> it really is going to come down to the use cases that you have as an artist. Um, and, you know, and each platform, I think, I'm, I'm agnostic enough to recognize that each, each of us have our sort of core product that we do really, really well. Um, and and with, with Feature FM, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've seen lately, especially during the current world uh, crisis that we're all in, is, is this need for a tangible association with audience data. And on our end, that's done with ob the obvious sort of tools like, like a email collection, which you can do with our product through an email signup form that you build, or if you wanted to set up a pre-save, you can collect data that way. Um, but beyond that, people are sort of recognizing the need for remarketing and retargeting and all of these other um, facets of audience building that I think prior to the digitally focused music industry um, that we are in now, you know, people really hadn't put in a lot of investment in that uh, area, you know, with, with regard to Facebook pixels or Google pixels or TikTok pixels or pretty much every platform has a pixel at this point and, and how you can really leverage that. So go, even going off of the topic of, of the type of content that you're producing and which platforms you sort of resonate with the most, 
uh, generally the ones that you're going to be the most uh, familiar with are going to be the ones that you're most popular on. Um, and with that, you need to be able to A, set up the campaign correctly, B, make sure that you are collecting that data from the ad spend that you're doing, or even just from the release that you're promoting. And, and for us, the, the, the products that we've seen the most usage of during, I want to say the last six months is obviously the free save function, which we have where you can, you know, do a bunch of different actions to unlock content, to have auto follows on Spotify, that sort of thing. Uh, really push the pre-save before a release comes out. Uh, action pages, where you, like I had mentioned earlier, you can run contests. You can do everything from have somebody subscribe to your YouTube channel to unlock a uh, live stream, or uh, you can run, you know, uh, a pre-save campaign for a playlist or a podcast or really whatever you're working on right now. Um, and the main thing for us that we've seen lately are our bio links. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of folks are using that because everybody is on Instagram or TikTok. Those are the two platforms that we get asked about, like we get asked about the most, you know, how do we market on those effectively? How do we insert our pixel into your platform to use this so that we can build an audience, whether it's a lookalike audience or an audience for an artist. I'm sure Andrew can explain what a lookalike audience is. Um, and, and also, you know, uh, actions that people can commit in what we call the mini browsers. So when you click on a link in an Instagram bio or a TikTok bio and it opens up in like their app framework, you know, what can you do with that to still collect data and or monetize or sell or promote? Um, and, and for us, those are the those are the things that we're seeing right now as, as trends, you know, retargeting, remarketing and, and sort of how to use pixels. Uh, that, that has been by far the largest thing. Uh, that I've done, besides illustrating the lovely point that you led this conversation with, that playlisting is is not a marketing strategy. <laughs> You're on mute there, Mike. Yes, let's reiterate the point. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bring it all back to the theme. Awesome, awesome. Um, talk about some other stuff that we've seen used in campaigns lately. You know, I, I'll throw one out quickly. We, we've been using TuneSpeak a lot lately. It's you know, this, this great tool amongst a few others as well that do do some some similar activity-based stuff. But it's basically turning your fan base into a digital street team for you, right? It is rewarding folks for helping virally spread your content. It is um, watch this video, share this video, um, save, save this to a playlist, all the different actions you can put into those campaigns. You're also, you know, they, they, you're also amongst a community of other campaigns that are going on. So you might get some visibility and build a fan base that way. Any other ones, Michael, Marnie, uh, Andrew, you and I have sat through a handful lately that you guys have seen some real success with lately? TuneSpeak is our probably biggest one. I, I will say, you know, Corey brought them up too, but ToneDen has a pretty good suite of services for just like basic, and it's, you know, they have different tiers where you can basically start a free tier. Same with like MailChimp, if you want to start up an email list. Um, you know, there are a lot of tools out there that you can use that don't cost a lot of money that help you kind of get a grasp on like a baseline audience and what that looks like. Um, and then as far as pixels go, I think like Google Tag Manager is a great way to kind of lump all that stuff in together so that you're not like everything kind of, you just put one tag manager in and it can basically capture all your pixels out there. So um, yeah, I mean, TuneSpeak though is a really, really great tool that we've used. Yeah, we use TuneSpeak a lot as well. Um, and we've seen some really, like big success with it too. It's just a great platform because they have a built-in audience and it's a community and it's great. Um, we also sometimes use Gleam. Um, and we used them recently for a campaign with an artist called Marco Pave, who um, he's doing this really cool campaign. It's, um, it's a stimulus package that he's, he's uh, giving a cash prize to, uh, to some fans. And um, so we're doing a similar thing, but we, we needed a platform that um, worked with Bandcamp because we wanted to push um, fans to Bandcamp as well. Um, and so Gleam, Gleam is able to do that. I think there's, a, there's several, but um, we tried that one for this and it, it's been working really well. So it's interesting. We kind of try, we use, we have all of them at our fingertips, you know, and we kind of try different ones for different purposes. Um, yeah. yeah. Piggyback off of Gleam there, I've uh, used that platform as well for ticket giveaways and stuff like that at a local venue as well. Um, so it helped them not only to, uh, you know, give drivers to an incoming artist and say, hey, this is what we're doing for marketing. Um, we're going to, you know, help grow your audience using this like share platform essentially to give away tickets, but it also helps the venue as well grow their, their stance as well. 
um, like Tone Den and like everybody else who has a uh, similar platform, it's pretty much getting people to like all of your platforms or share content on all of them for you. And, uh, you know, it's basically putting your fan base to work for you for whatever you choose the prize, whether it be um, in this day and age, a lot of people have been doing Zoom conferences with their fans and uh, it's kind of like the new age meet and greet um, where you can uh, sit down and chat with your artists for 15, 20 minutes on Zoom. Um, so it, there's been numerous ways that people have been adapting um, in the digital music industry yeah. versus what they were doing before. But it, it's it's really cool to see some of these platforms. Um, and from an advertising standpoint, I've been diving into new platforms that are coming out that uh, previously weren't really dabbled into often because they weren't necessary. It wasn't as popular. But uh, with everybody being in their homes nowadays, a platform like Brandzuka that does connected TV ads has been huge for quite a few of our clients at Symphonic um, by reaching audiences with their music videos that they never thought would have been reachable before. It's putting people in everyday living rooms just because they can advertise on Hulu and Firestick and all of those connected streaming platforms that people have on their TVs. Um, and it gets people to see something they wouldn't normally see because nowadays people are getting away from cable TV. So these connected TVs have become their lifeline. So being able to put your music on them nowadays um, is a benefit to any musician. Um, it's kind of like the new age uh, you know, pitch that you would hear on radio, um, except nowadays they're pitching your music video instead of saying, hey, your new album's out now on radio, you're actually getting a, uh, a digital video that's out there on somebody's television set saying, hey, go watch the full video on YouTube. So it's, it's, it's been a very helpful uh, tool in uh, the past six months lately. And you've been baking that into a lot of like other platforms at the same time, right? We'll be on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and Branzuka. Just the multiple touch points there, um, you know, the way you're able to retarget. Talk a little bit about, so we, we opened up to um, client questions for these um, seminars too. And one that came in was, how can artists with no previous release data or historical audience data create targeted ads sending new fans to the DSPs, right? So, you know, w when you are working, which you very often are, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the trenches on some of these, working a brand new artist who doesn't have that following yet, right? Doesn't have a really great audience. Talk a little bit about that lookalike look -like audience stuff we talked about before and some other yeah. tactics you employ to kind of get- my favorite, question, my favorite question to ask everybody is, if you were going on tour, and you're going to have your own starting acts. Who would those starting acts be that are opening for you? And furthermore, if you're going out on tour and you were to open for any huge acts, who would those be? And that will be essentially the ground point or foundation to any basic audience for somebody who doesn't have one. Because essentially, if you're creating your own tour or you're going on tour, you're going to choose similar music, similar artists something that's going to create a community or a fan base that will like your music. Cause obviously you're not going to go tour for a classical music pianist. If you're a metal band though, it would be rather interesting to see. Um, I'll give you that much, but it's just not going to be the audience that's going to make you successful. Now um, say for example, the metal band is kind of on the industrial side of things. Maybe you could get into some of the darker sides of EDM. But outside of that, you know, I would stick to your guns and choose similar artists in areas that, you know, you're popular. Um, obviously, if you don't have an audience, choosing the top streaming cities is always a good place to start because those are places where they're already consuming music. Um, so it's kind of a no-brainer to put an ad there if you're a new artist. Um, outside of that, choosing a place where you're, bo you're born, a birthplace, went to school, those are always good additions to that list as well uh, to round it out. And then always, you know, if you've got an email base or an email list somewhere, uh, either from a show that you've done um, or just a fan base from running something on any of the various platforms out there, um, 
having that to add to it doesn't hurt either. Um, but those are usually the greatest places to start with building those audiences um, when you have none. Um, and then also incorporating friends and family, talking to them and seeing what they're interested in, what you know they feel will connect people to you as well. Because um, the people around you are the biggest tools to help you grow your audience as well. Though they may be the biggest critics as well too. <laughs> Thank you. So we are running a little short on time. We kind of got too verbose on a lot of things, which is always a good problem to have. Um, we had a topic on here to talk a little bit about PR and publicity, and that's sort of the, you know, the, the sort of fifth, fifth weapon in the arsenal there in, in what we're talking about here. We don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but um, this is another area where, you know, artists should be considering, um, Marnie, uh, with Sneak Attack and some of the things that you've continued to do um, at, um, at, at the syndicate, talk just very briefly about, you know, sort of what an artist needs to think about when it's time for them to pull a, a PR publicist on. When is that money well spent? When is it too early? Um, you know, what is, the, what is the best indicators of that when you're, when you're planning that strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that we talk about a lot because we do have a, a publicity department at the syndicate um, and sometimes we'll work hand in hand. We'll start a, you know, start a social media campaign, take it to a certain point, and then they're kind of ready for that PR piece. Um, I mean, I think with anything, if you're if you're kind of on the independent side or, you know, kind of on the starting out side, the developing side, I should say, um, the time to hire anyone is when you've kind of taken it to the to the furthest you can go by yourself. So if you've done all the as much as you can and you're like, all right, I I either have run out of time or knowledge or, you know, I'm spending so much time kind of researching what to do that I think I need to bring someone else in to do it that's the time but before that you know there's so much that you can do um yourself and you and you should do yourself because especially with pr you're kind of learning and and social media as well you're kind of learning the, the way to do it and kind of what's working for your band um which is really good information to have once you do hire somebody to do stuff for you because you're the best you're the most knowledgeable person for what you are doing and what you're who are the people you're trying to hit you might not always be right when you think you're trying to hit a certain audience or who, who you know, your music's going to resonate with. Um, but you've done that work to the point you found out, you're like, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, this isn't working. This does work sometimes. Now I've hit a plateau. I don't really know what to do next. Um, and the other thing is to make sure that you have something to PR. <laughs> so like one, you know, a lot of people are like, we, we're starting a band. We need PR. No, you don't need PR then. You know, once you are gearing up, and the other thing is, we just released our record, we need PR. No, you needed PR like four months ago. So it's really important to know, like, as you're gearing up, when, you know, we're going back to the first topic we discussed, um, that's kind of the time to think about what you're going to need down the line. Super duper important. And, and I wish we had more time on this. There's a whole lot of discussion that we, we kicked around in our planning session here about some um, some of that sort of third-party support, third-party third curator support that publicity and PR can really help um, lay, fire, lay, fuel, lay fuel on as well. Um, you know, a lot of outlets have their own playlists. A lot of really strong playlists have outlets that, you know, you're rather, you'd rather get yourself on the playlist than necessarily get a real good article written on the, on the blog or such, um, but just considerations you need to make. And we might need to run a whole nother seminar on, on exactly that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of discussion to be had around third-party playlisting um, that we kind of don't have a whole lot of time for here. We did have a question asked about that from the community. Um, we did want to kick that one around too because there's difficult answers to those questions, right? There's not a, there's not a really good, easy way to say you should do this. Um, there's really easy ways to spend a whole lot of money in that world, um, but not necessarily effectively. So, um, Michael, you had some great thoughts there that I might have to lean on you next time we get back on this uh, webinar to talk about. Um, but we are, we are getting a little short on time. I just wanted to open the floor up to kind of close out here. We got to most of sort of the question topics. We talked through a lot of the topics here. Thank you very much for your time. If we can just kind of close up really quickly, each of you go around quick two minutes, um, lay out something you've seen done digitally lately, whatever it is, any way it can be around uh, an artist, around a brand, around 
an athlete, something that's even outside of music that's really blown you away and, and really give just a quick two minutes of synopsis of it. Let people go out there and dig it up themselves um, to get more detail on it. Cause that's kind of what I want to leave everybody with is you can, you can listen to seminars like this a hundred times a day, right? But you're out there in the space. You're seeing what people are doing. If you see something that engaged you, go track it down, find out what it was about, look for what the platform was, study up on it, see if you can save up the budget to do it yourself. Um, it really is about you actively and genuinely engaging your fans with, with tools that engaged you, with tactics that engaged you. So talk a little bit about real quickly and we'll, we'll kind of start the same way we did. Marnie, Michael, Corey, uh, Andrew, uh, real quick synopsis of like one thing you've seen lately that's blown you away. Um, on the spot. I'll, I'll mention, there, yeah, and uh, there was a there was a campaign that we did actually with one of our clients um, in May. I don't know what time it is, um, but it was towards the beginning of, of pandemic bill, um, and you know tour was canceled. You know, not, everything was being re uh, reorganized. So um, we we had a partnership that we did with this artist. Please and thank you. Um, he's a DJ and electronic producer. PLS ampersand sty um and we did a partnership with um one of one of my team members mary um partnered with a bike company called Soleil bicycles and we did instead of just doing like a giveaway and that's it you know we did like this kind of really cool three-prong partnership with them um which you know kind of let the brand infused with infused into the artist and let the artist infuse into the brand where we did do a giveaway of a bike. It was a branded please and thank you bike, which was really cool. Um, Cause his logo is really cool anyway. And then we did um, a live stream DJ set on their channels. Um, that was just really cool because his, he put a lot into it. You know, he built a really cool visual setup. It wasn't just like him in a, you know, box. It was really, really cool. The light show and everything. Um, and then we also had him do a curated mix for their fixed tape series. Um, and so Mary kind of put together this whole um, really cool approach that, that just onboarded a ton of new fans. Um, and it was just, you know, those kinds of things I just love doing because I love seeing the comments of people being like, oh, I love this bicycle, I love this brand and this artist is awesome. Or I love this artist and that, I love that brand. And you're like, oh, we, that, that was a good idea. Okay, cool. <laughs> And you're always kind of pulling in different fans. And you, it's something that you can do even with smaller brands if you're a smaller artist too. I think that's really important to note. Something you should constantly be thinking about is how can you borrow an existing audience, right? What, what resonates that, that we call them high affinity, high affinity creators, right? What resonates that, that there's sort of co-resonation, right? That you can really link into the low hanging fruit of people that have already signed on for what you seem to be about. Um, a good fit like that is hard to come by, but cool. Nice idea. Michael. Um, I'm going to go with something, <clears throat> I mean, since you said blown away by and like athlete, things like that, I, somebody that I've just been, I think over the past year, 18 months, two years, really Travis Scott is somebody that I've just like, I think is just a phenomenal uh, person and, and such a creative brain. I mean, I, I think it was either GQ or Esquire. There was a, a, a piece done on him recently that was just so fascinating because he's such a hard worker. He's such a hustler. He knows his brand. I mean, the, McDon the McDonald's thing was incredible. The Fortnite uh, concert that he did over the summer was unlike anything. But again, it came from a place where he was like in the space. Like he played the game all the time. And he, he told his team, like, what can we do? Like, I want to do something. And, you know, his brands with Nike. I mean, he's just somebody that do as much research as you can on him because it's fascinating. He gets it for sure. Yeah, and that's 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 a huge part of it is know who you are too, right? Like know yeah. you can put together a much more impactful campaign if you know what you are trying to put out there, if you know who you are trying to be out there. Um, genuine. Yeah, super cool. Corey. Well, that's a hard lead, guys. Um, I think hard. for me, <laughs> I think for me, it's two things. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, Jason Derulo taught me to dance through all of his wonderful TikTok moves that he's had. And there's just something about pretending to bounce a basketball tied with a very catchy 30 second clip of a song that got me addicted. And I really think that that type of marketing is just insanely impactful, especially amongst the a generation of people such as like myself that like have a 15 attention span before we're on to the next thing. 
Um, I think that is also just true to who he is and like as an artist, how he resonates with his fans. I really love that aspect of it, which is just like you just create content because you genuinely enjoy it. And then you tell people how much money you make from the content. And then as sort of a tangent to that really quickly, it has nothing to do with music, but Chloe Feynman, who is a comedian on SNL, um, has been doing uh, celebrity impersonations and they are amazing, but, but tags the celebrity into the impersonations and then asks them if they like them, which I think is an insanely wonderfully uh, well-executed digital marketing campaign because she's just blown up and has all of these people like commenting on these impressions. Like she was at like, I think 60K before the pandemic hit and then it hit and she's now up to like, five, like uh, hundreds of thousands of people. So be insanely talented. That's super yeah. important. Yes, that really okay. helps build a marketing campaign. Is I think that's important to all of these. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely, absolutely. Andrew? Uh, one of the uh, greatest things that I've seen lately um, has to have been um, one of the DJs that I follow. His name's Nitty Gritty. Um, and he actually decided to have fans submit random YouTube videos with sounds and stuff like that that he could sample. And he created beats and songs out of them. Um, and one of the ones that became extremely popular was him walking through the aisles at a Walgreens, just picking up random things at Walgreens from a pill bottle to a plastic ukulele that they had there. And he took the samples and created a song from it that actually had Walgreens reach out to him and was like, hey, um, we're going to make this our in-store song nowadays. And they actually reached out to him in regards to it. And it kind of blew my mind that it was something that simple, but now he continues to do it on TikTok to where he did something for Chick-fil-A um, to random other ones where it was like just some guy was screaming on a video and he took the scream and auto-tuned it in different volumes and made a song out of it too. So it, it's, it's quite crazy, but the amount of attention he's gotten from it has gotten him picked up by numerous brands um, to do beats for them and audio for them as well. So it's, it's wild that it's grown that much for him. Um, but yeah, something as simple as that, like we had said earlier with the content, you know, something you enjoy doing uh, is definitely something that's going to blow you up because again, you enjoy doing it. So it's not going to be something that feels like work to you. Yeah. So be super duper creative. Super good notes. Super good things to to come out of this with everyone. Um, you know, I, th I think we're going to have the opportunity to have questions in the um, in the comments at the end of this, and we'll try to direct those questions to the people that you ask them to, and get back to you with answers through Symphonic, whether it's through our socials or through support. We'll try to get more answers. Thank you all very 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 much for joining me here in Pandemicville. Uh, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that one. I'm gonna steal it from you, Marty. Um, uh, Marty from the Syndicate. We've got Michael from M Theory, Corey from Feature FM, and Andrew from right here at uh, Symphonic. You guys can't thank you enough. Super good time. Um, we will catch up again, and, and and let's do this every week, every week with regularity, so our fans know to expect it. Right? Down. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.